AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lolly Arcoglu. Hello. This week, we're talking about family travel. Now, this is not family travel with your own kids. This is like surviving family travel when you, a fully grown adult, are the kid, or at least the niece and nephew babysitter. We brought in a slew of editors and Women Who Travel regulars to talk about their own experiences traveling with their extended families. We have Megan Sproul, our community editor. Hi. Karina Quinn, Traveler's Director of City Guides. Hello. And Priya Krishna, a Women Who Travel contributor and author of the cookbook Indianish. Hi. So you guys have all taken some pretty massive family trips this year alone, let alone in the past. <laughs> so maybe starting with Priya, how does your family travel best? Like what really works for you? Like renting a house somewhere and having like that that central point where everyone can gather and kind of like choose their own adventure for the day. But I think having like the central gathering place in a non-touristy locale is key. Paint a picture for us. How many of you are there? Age range? (laughs) Oh my God. Are you in a van, a bus? (laughs) So, okay. One of the better ones was we found this house in Umbria in Italy, which is sort of like, it's uh, adjacent to Tuscany, but lesser known. So the rentals are a lot cheaper. Um, and we knew this person through a friend of a friend who was renting out her house. And it came with a pizza oven and a woman who made pizzas. <laughs> oh. Dina. Nice. <laughs> she made us fresh biscotti every morning, too. God bless Dina. Dina was amazing. And so there were like 20 of us. And I think the youngest person maybe was like seven or eight the oldest was probably my dad. He was in his like fifties. Then there was a pool. There was like a, even like a dinky little treadmill in the garage for people who wanted it. It was like a hour's drive from like towns like Assisi. So we could take day trips. We had like two rental cars, but some days we would just hang out at the house and make pizza or go swimming. I remember one day there was like a big wheat field. So me and my cousins like harvested a bunch of wheat and ground it up and made rotis. <laughs> I love it. We brought a lot of board games and cards and it was just it was just really fun and it was so beautiful outside every day. So it was just it was just very low stress and didn't require a lot of planning. And Megan, how do your family trips usually net out? 
So it's usually, it's just my mom, my two sisters and I, we've just gotten back into doing like we're adults and doing a family trip together kind of things. So it's been a lot of me leading and being like, hey, this year I want to go to Puerto Rico. Let's go. And I think everyone's pretty game to have someone who wants to plan it and just like they're happy to hop on and show up. So since we've just been starting it, it's been pretty good because I've gotten to like suggest places and everyone's on board. Um, but yeah, I think for us, it's a lot about like, like I'm starting to learn that the have a place to stay and kind of chill and do what you want works the best because we definitely have different things we want to do with our time. And like, I want to find all the places I want to eat and like food is super important. And one of my sisters wants to make sure she can keep up her workouts and like she's training for the marathon. And so that matters. And so it's definitely been a balance of like learning everyone's need to haves every day. And Karina, I heard a rumor around the office that your family has an Excel spreadsheet. There, <laughs> there is an Excel spreadsheet. The Quins are nothing if not type A. Um, <laughs> we are 14 immediate. So I'm the youngest of four. And we've really evolved from the years when, you know, my siblings and I were right out of college. And it was like, Mom, Dad, rent us a beach house. And the guys are going to golf. And we're going to drink beer and wine and, you know, have lazy days on the beach. Now they're all married. We've got six kids between the ages of five and 14. So there's a lot of different different factors we've got to think about. Uh, but yeah, so it requires an Excel spreadsheet, especially when you think about allergies and food intolerances, school breaks, activities. Um, and for the last couple of years, we've gone down to Palmetto Bluff in Bluffton, South Carolina. It's on the May River. There's a resort attached, the um, Montage Palmetto Bluff, but then we rent a house. So we kind of have the best of both worlds. We can tap into the restaurants and bars that are there for the adults. Um, for the kids, we can rent canoes. We can take boats out for the day. Um, the guys still have golf. And I think also what's nice is we've been able to factor in also with the spreadsheet, a private chef to do breakfast and a couple of meals. So then no one's on the hook for cooking for all those people and cleaning up for them. And that was the key change we made in recent years that has taken our trips from good to great. I know that Megan and Priya, you guys usually travel to different destinations. Why has your family decided to stick with the thing that obviously works for you guys year after year. It's funny you ask that because it's about to change. <laughs> but, you know, it, we kind of just like go in pairs of two to four years where for a while, like a very easy beach vacation was good. And then once the kids got like toddler age, it was like, oh, wow, we've got we need movies. We need putt putt. We need activities. We need to time block the day. Now that my oldest nephew is 14, we've only got a few more years until he goes to college. And so and the other kids are old enough that we can be a little more active. But basically, it was sort of like collectively looking at the needs of the different age groups of the kids and letting that dictate what we do. Do you know where you're going in 2020? Uh, we're, we're, so we're each spreadsheet again, um, <laughs> researching different things that we have a short list and we're each tasked with a, a thing we're going to research and price out. So we're looking at um, we're looking at sort of like a Montana ranch, dude ranch situation where there would be rodeo involved. We're looking at like an Alaska cruise, a couple of other things. I have one other question for your family before we move. <laughs> <laughs> we keep things moving. Um, which is, you mentioned that it's got bigger and bigger over the years as people have gotten married and more people have joined the family. Mm -hmm. How's it been welcoming outsiders into the family trip fold? Oh, it's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> people ask me this a lot, and I I hope this this isn't disappointing to them. I think our family is very welcoming. We're very excited for them to come in the fold, and I actually am very sympathetic for my in laws because I think we're a little much. So 
it's gone great for us, but I can kind of tell the moments when suddenly like someone just disappears for a while without like letting you know and you find them later on a hammock with a book and you're like, we were too much, right? We were talking, <laughs> we were just like too much, too many people, too, too many one room for too long. You start to kind of be sensitive to those things. The pressure I feel like is really on when you're in a small group. Like I'm my, one of my sisters is about to get married and I'm, I mean, there's going to be a new person. If he joins us, it's going to be him and like four of us. Like it's going to be so intimate. Like that is a lot of, you can't disappear with a book as easily. I was going to say like, just be, be mindful of the people who need to slip away without necessarily explaining themselves (laughs) and just cut them slack for it. Don't take it personally. The thing that's really hard in our family is figuring out like how many years you have to be together to Mm -hmm. like to warrant coming on the oh, family yeah. trip. Like it was just, it's really tough and you never really know. And usually whoever's planning it will always be like, oh, does so-and-so want to come? And it's like, okay, I guess that means that they are Officially invited. invited. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. My boyfriend in particular is totally the guy who's like constantly leaving to go read a book. <laughs> it's it's a sign. Like you it's start really, to notice the tells. Yeah. He also like, our family is very particular. We have to like be first to board all trains and buses. And Seth is very like, you know, whatever laissez-faire about it. So he gets very stressed seeing us like elbow people out of the way and to throw our luggage onto the train. (laughs) And also like several older members of my family treat Seth like a sort of like a valet. (laughs) So (laughs) he ends up like lugging a lot of suitcases around. So I'm like, yeah, I get it if if this can be stressful for you sometimes. (laughs) And I feel like it's important to take a step back and... And remember that it's like your family and there's outsiders coming in that are not used to their quirks. Yeah, I hear a lot about people thinking about it from the idea of like, ooh, a new person's coming in. But I think the bigger thing is my advice would be sensitive to the to yeah. that new person. Who has no idea what they're getting <laughs> no. into. Bless their hearts. I'd say also just like knowing when it's the right time to have a timeout is key yeah. whether you're the yeah. new person yeah. in the family or not. Totally. I'm wondering, you know, what it is about splitting up that makes every group trip, especially family trips, really important. I know, Priya, you guys kind of have like designated like this is the art track and these people are going on this or this is the outdoor track and you can like join. Mm-hmm. It feels like summer mm-hmm. camp to me. Why do you guys really emphasize giving everybody options? <laughs> the best way I can explain it is like in this season of Stranger Things, how they separated everyone up into like different groups and it created new dynamics and you discover different things about characters and the characters discover different things about themselves. Like there's just something about splitting up into groups where especially groups where like, you know, it wouldn't be a natural pairing. Like maybe your partners with another group, but you're with a group with like two aunts. It's just like you think you know your family, but being in these like small intimate group settings is like a really great way to get to know them in a different way. Also, it's like kind of funny seeing like who signs up for what. Like I had no idea my great uncle was so into cheese and it ended up being like just the two of us at a cheese tasting and I really got to know him super well. And it turns out he knows a ton about cheese. (laughs) So I don't know. I just... I think it's, I mean, I also, I'm a very big proponent of having like big group dinners, but I love splitting up into groups. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's really nice to just get to spend some, and I feel like, I don't know, it's just less stressful to be in a smaller setting. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. 
Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave four-year vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. With four of you, Megan, how do you guys split off from each other and what kind of is the, when you were in Puerto Rico or in Belize Mm -hmm. earlier this year? I feel like it's, so our way of balancing everyone's different interests is like doing them at different times. So it's like, okay, I really wanted to like do this, you know, bike on this like really dusty path in a hundred degree weather in Belize (laughs) to these ruins I just had to see. And everyone's like, well, we're going to bigger, like, better more important ruins tomorrow like let's wait and I was like that's really something I want to do that's like something I want out of this trip and so it's kind of like a, okay we can do that and then like this evening Heather really wants to go to this place so we're gonna we kind of alternate with chunks of time because there are, are only four of us so like even if people you know do their own thing for breakfast in the morning or break off after dinner throughout most of the trip it's a lot of like like if we split off then we're not getting any time together or with anyone else so it's kind of like we do everything together but we divide our time and are kind of democratic in that way my family started planning travel with non-negotiables so everyone has to submit their one thing that during Ooh, said trip a great idea. we have to do so that everyone feels like they've had input but also like no person has like five things that they have to do it's like mm-hmm. very egalitarian um and my brother just said for our most recent family trip to New Zealand, he was like, I don't care. And we were like, you're really giving up your opportunity (laughs) to submit a non-negotiable? He's like, I'm going to be happy with whatever. And he was, but it has really changed it because no one feels left out and no one feels like then they have to like do all the planning because other people have to actually read the guidebook or look into it or do whatever. That's funny. We operate on a dictatorship in our family (laughs) in that one person plans the trip and they do all the work and then we don't question that. Okay. So I'm a dictator. Yeah. Yeah. But do people question you? Because Um, I feel like you guys have been traveling together long enough that I feel like the dictatorship might be unquestioned. And you have rotating dictators. Oh, there's like two dictators. Okay. <laughs> right. But do people vote things they want to do? To the, like, no, nope. that's not how a dictatorship works. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, no. So, okay, on our big trips, like I am the dictator. It's like, so when you talked about like choosing a destination, this is a thing that my mom's asked for for Christmas. Is she'll be like, she sends a really cute note of a Christmas list, and it's like for like hang out with the dog, like this thing I already bought myself that I'm wrapping and putting under the tree for you guys. Just write, <laughs> sign your name on the card. And one of them is always like, someone plan a family trip. So I always take that. And what I've done, I started doing this like a couple of years ago is I make a slideshow of like four places I think we should go. Aww. I have musical cues. Um, I have like three places in the country that I think would be interesting. And then it's like a fun thing. And then I can get away with like calling this my gift. And then that's kind of the thing is they get to vote on the one they want. We go there and that's when the dictatorship starts. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, you said Belize. So right, like speak now on what you want out of this trip and your non-negotiables essentially. And if you don't tell me now, like I'm planning the whole thing my way and no one ever speaks up. And it's kind of understood that like, 
I found the place we stay. Like I looked up the restaurants. I have my Google map, like, you know, spotted with um, all the places I want to go. And Meredith is rolling her eyes at me because I actually use Apple Maps and it's my deepest shame. It's been a point of contention when we travel together. It's yeah, it's an issue. It's hard to migrate anyway. um, And but yeah, so that's kind of the way we do it. And it's like when we do smaller trips, like when we go visit my sister in Denver for the weekend or when people are in New York, that's when it's a little muddier because it's like no one's taken on this big burden where they can kind of be like, I planned it. I did the work for you. So, you know, just go with it. But that's kind of what's easier about our bigger trips is it's very black and white. Like you just get on board. So no one's tried to stage a rebellion. You get comments sometimes, but (laughs) any leader knows how to handle them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What have been each of your, like most, you were mentioning the trip to Italy, but what do you feel like have been your most successful family slash large group trips to date? I already said it, but I'll go back to Palmetto Bluff only because I think it has been a really sweet spot for the various age groups and interests of what we want to do. That's been key. And the accessibility of it, you know, like everything's kind of right there, whether you need a last minute place to eat, emergency pool time for the kids because they're melting down. Um, You know, everyone can kind of like run off and do their things. I also, because I'm the aunt that doesn't have children, I didn't realize that kids of a certain age need certain independence development when they're on vacation. So the fact that we can kind of send them out with their bikes and they can go off on their own without an adult with them has been a very big deal for them. They can go and order food. They can go pick up things at like there's a little general store. And just even seeing them kind of like go off on their own without us constantly (laughs) breathing down their necks has been good for them. I can remember being like 13 on vacation and Mm -hmm. feeling so freaking Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. that I got to go like order something or pick something up or like go into a store by myself. Oh, the best. Well, can you like imagine that you're there alone with your, without your parents as though all the adults in the street are looking at you and being like, that 13-year-old took herself on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> How precocious. <laughs> um, Megan, what do you think has been your most successful family trip thus far? Okay, I have two answers. I think last year we went to Puerto Rico, which was like somewhere I really wanted to go after the hurricanes and we've been covering a lot and I was like, hmm, I keep telling everyone they need to go to Puerto Rico right now. Like, I need to go to Puerto Rico right now. And um, and that trip was really cool because it was like kind of a big turning point in us getting back into these family trips again, like as adults. And, you know, the island is really manageable with a car and like a few days. And I just felt like we could wake up in the morning and we could go like to anywhere we wanted. We could end up going to the beach or the rainforest or like go walk through the this old San Juan and like eat a bunch of food. And it felt really manageable and like it wasn't too big and we didn't have to plan things. And that was really nice. And I think, um, I feel like we have a lot of personal connections to people who are from there or, um, it just felt like we were all really excited to be there and it was easy to do. But to your, um, Karina, your point about the dude ranch in Montana, that is like the trip that I did Mm -hmm. when I was little. So we would go every Christmas, like my whole family would go to a dude ranch, the same one in Montana, I'll find the name for if you want. Please um, do. I feel like I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but it was just, that was like such a special place that we'd always go because you're you're in this safe area where you can just like hop on different activities and it's so gorgeous. And I feel like that sparked a lot of interest in like the outdoors and animals and things for me that were like really special. And I feel like we think about those trips so fondly, even though they were a billion years ago. What if you could poke prod and explore the mysteries of nature from wherever you are. Hi, I'm Nate Hedgie, the host of Outside In, an award-winning podcast from New Hampshire Public Radio. We explore the fun, dangerous, oftentimes uncomfortable questions about the natural world. Like, 
What happens when climate change comes knocking at your door? Unfortunately, when you find out things that you don't want to hear, the question is how you swallow that. Or what happens to our bodies when we die? All of the germs and bacteria and everything is saying, okay, baby, we got to get rid of this person. (laughs) Outside In isn't just a show for thru-hikers and conservationists. It's a podcast for anyone who's ready to embrace their curiosity about the natural world and have fun doing it. He left us. He left us. He left us. (laughs) But that's not what What I'm going to (laughs) do. Listen every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Priya, what about yours? Was it Dina the pizza maker? (laughs) I think that was probably our most successful trip. I think one thing that is interesting that I've always talked to my parents about, this is not related, that I was just thinking about, is why we don't go to the same place every year. Why not just like choose a house and rent the same house every year? And I've asked my parents that. And what they've basically said and how I have interpreted that is my parents, I think because they are immigrants, they're like deeply comfortable with being in a new place where they're uncomfortable and they always wanted to instill that in us kids. Like they didn't want there to be a sense of familiarity and comfort when we came to a place. They wanted us to like, there wanted there to be a lot of unknowns that we had to figure out and they wanted us to not be able to speak the language and to not be familiar with the food. And I have to say, like, you know, most of my friends grew up and I understand the appeal of like going to the same place every year. It's it's really nice. But I really appreciate that my parents like went out of their way or our family went out of the way to like go somewhere different every year and like drop us in a place where like we were potentially uncomfortable and had like some uncomfortable interactions, but it sort of all helped to build character, especially when we were really young. To that point, what was maybe one of the more challenging trips that wasn't like the smoothest or most successful, but has really like, I don't know, maybe taught you something? Well, (laughs) we went to Tobago, which is not a heavily touristed part of the world. Everyone goes to Trinidad and they're like, weren't really places to eat out. We like got swindled by a mango salesman on the beach. (laughs) They like ended up taking like a hundred dollars of our money. Um, That's quite a mango. (laughs) Well, he just grabbed all of the cash that was like, (laughs) (laughs) but we ended up, I mean, it ended up being a really great vacation because we found this unmarked white van that sold doubles, which are like basically like fry bread topped with like stewy chickpeas. And so every day we would just like, at noon, we would like pull up to this sorry shop and the unmarked white van would come. And we like had our little routines. We like sort of figured out how to be locals in this place that's like really not super friendly to tourists. And by the time we left, it felt like we had like we had like friends on the island and we were super comfortable. And that was one of those situations where I was like, it's good to be plunged into discomfort every once in a while. When, you know, you're talking about a single instance where things maybe didn't go so well, but do you have a sense of like when you're at your worst? Like I know like when my family gets really hungry Mm -hmm. and it's like 10 p.m. and we haven't eaten, like there will be no positive emotions. Everyone will fight is like the natural progression of how my family works. Are there moments that you think, okay, if we avoid this thing, the trip will go so smoothly? 
tired and hungry. I'm with you, especially um, so going down the DC corridor back when we used to do the Outer Banks, like that 95 traffic and then getting off at the Wrights Bridge in North Carolina can take your trip from what should have been four and a half hours to eight or nine or even 10 if it's really bad. And so thinking that we were going to get in around four or 5 p.m. and lay on the beach for a bit before getting dinner and checking into the house turned into no one had eaten We've been in a car for 10 hours, and now we're just getting to the, into the house in dark and trying to unload the car has, has turned into some of my not finer moments. Yeah, I think early start times is the way to go if you're me. I don't mind, I don't mind getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and needing to be on a flight by 4.30 if I can avoid that. Megan, do you have things to avoid? Yeah, I feel like we definitely have moments on the trip where... I don't want to call someone cranky because that feels like you're starting something, but people get cranky and it's like, yeah, when people are really tired and you've had a long day and I think it's like, like Priya, your mango salesman story, like sometimes when things go wrong, it's funny. And there's sometimes when people are tired and it suddenly isn't funny and people are like pissed and it's usually things you can't control. And so it's like, if you control the other factors of like making sure everyone feels like they've been doing the things they want and there aren't like underlying things or, you know, people haven't eaten in hours, then like you can manage those bumps that come up with traveling and are the reason you travel so much more, like so much more easily. Um, So yeah, I think it's just doing what you can to like, keep things going smoothly I think one of the most infuriating things that my mum does when we're traveling as a family is when I start to get slightly cranky I'll see her just turn to my dad and just go oh she's hungry <laughs> like you're three and then I'm like no I'm not and, she, and, then, and then she's That's, like see you're getting tetchy and I'm like no I'm not That's she's what like, I mean you can't it's tough territory it's yeah. not good did you Think, feed the child? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that she's as bad as me. So I just turn the tables on her the next time she gets hungry. <laughs> but actually, um, food, I feel like for me, is a huge part of traveling and planning trips. And my mum loves trying lots of different food and that's a big priority for her. Whereas my dad could literally just like eat a couple of mm-hmm. like pieces of toast all day and be like, I'm good. <laughs> and so planning sort of lavish meals when we're all traveling together feels like I'm kind of doing it for myself which isn't what you should be doing. And I'm wondering, you know, Priya, you were saying having those big family meals is like a really important thing to you. How do you kind of navigate the ways in which people prioritize food or don't? I mean, I'm a food writer and I just have to accept that I'm not going to be, like I'm more than likely not going to be having any like, you know, writing worthy dining experiences because we are a party of 20 plus there are a limited number of restaurants that can take a party of 20 plus and it's okay if we're just going out for pizza it's not about me finding the best meal of my life it's about spending time as a family and I think once you realize that like you're not going to get to go to that taco place or if you do you're going to have to go on your own time it is like very freeing you know and I think I think like I always try and sneak in like a few little food stops and it helps that now I go, my partner was with me so the two of us can just like kind of sneak away for a little bit. Or weirdly, my family went to Norway this year and they were all super down to go to all the restaurants that I was recommended. So we ended up like that was just a total fluke that never happens. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I think you just have to be okay with the fact that like you're going to have some okay meals and especially if it's a really big group. And that's okay. And I think maybe you can like try and plan like one really great one. But when you're a party that big, it just becomes really, really tough. It was like if it were my family, just the four of us, 
we could, but not with my extended family. Karina, is that why you got the chef? Yeah, and it's been so like I I echo everything Priya said. And I also think one way we've gotten around it is, you know, with the chef, again, people get very tired if they're on vacation and they're planning a meal and grocery shopping and cooking and doing dishes. We figured that real quick is not much of a vacation for everyone. So the chef is an easy cost. He's cooking, he's cleaning. And then we picked themed nights, especially, I mean, with the kids, it's fun. So you can do taco night, we can have lasagna night. Kids get really excited about it. And then we don't really think too hard about, you know, if it's the most mind-blowing meal, it's like everyone's having fun, everyone's having a good meal. Um, And then my mom always picks her dinner night is, because we trade off, the organization. Uh, my mom always picks the night is that she pays for a babysitter and that's our big meal out just for the adults. And then we can really kind of go for it and get the really fun wines and food and feel like we did something. Wow. Um, is there a max time or a minimum amount of time that you should plan a family vacation, a large extended family vacation for? Ooh. We do a year out. We're yeah. real. I mean, and you guys yeah. go for like two weeks at a time. Mm, we go for like it's like seven to ten days usually and a year out is the only way it's like planning a wedding do you already have 2020 planned Uh, or an idea of it yeah we do have 2020 planned do you want to spoil where you're going or uh you can rent a castle in scotland (laughs) (laughs) she speaks the truth and they (laughs) and they come with like you can rent like like, chefs that come like there's like lawn games and so we're renting a castle on the Scottish countryside. And it's not like I don't castles aren't uniquely fancy, but they're just the only thing large enough to fit <laughs> our family. I can't I can't help but imagine like an episode of succession. Yeah. <laughs> um Karina, how long do you guys usually go for and how long do you plan out? Yeah, we're about a year too, just because with the um school schedules, we have to start factoring that in. And then everyone else has to take a week off of work. So it takes a while to make sure everyone can kind of align on what those dates are and then book something. And you start in December-ish for yeah. a summer Yeah, make soiree. it a Christmas uh, thing. Um, what we've done that's worked really well is we go over the 4th of July because I feel like we're all okay leaving the country at that time. And um, we all get a certain number of days off at that time. And so it's just like an easy like standing date. So you know like the week of the 4th you're going somewhere. Two of the four live in New York where it's freezing um, in the winter. We have like are talking about switching that to like one of the three day weekends in February when it's cold and you like actually want to get out of here. But I think like having a date, you know, that might then become our standing date every year where you always know it's that week of MLK day or whatever it is. So that's been really helpful. And also on timing, do you think there is a sweet spot for the length of trip? Mm. Is there a point in which it's you're together for too long? I think seven to 10 days is the max, maybe seven. And I don't think you should do less than seven because no matter who you are, that's just not enough time to kind of get into vacation mode and then really relax. Yeah, I think a lot of ours are like five to seven. Mm -hmm. And maybe because there's fewer of us and you get so much one-on-one time. that's true. That really works. Um, But I think it's like... And also on our last trip, we kind of had a week long chunk and like one sister had to arrive a little bit later. Like you have, it allows time for that staggering Mm -hmm. if you need to do it. And I feel like especially if you're posting up at a single place, Mm -hmm. that flexibility is so much of an option for people to be able to come in and out as needed versus like catching up late at a different city and having to worry about multi-city flights or anything like that. Um, To wrap up, Priya and Karina have already shared their potential 2020 trips. Megan, what are you pitching? Spirel's like log out now. <laughs> what are you thinking about? I can't about? possibly spoil it. Um, I have, I'll think about it like the week before. Okay. But um, 
I think we've done Latin America, like kind of Caribbean spots for the past two. So somewhere else. I know uh, one of my sisters really wants to go to Italy, but I, I'm not sold on the idea of doing a city. I think it's been nice how we've been kind of in areas mm-hmm. that are like kind of what you talked about, Priya, just like being, you know, in a house posted up somewhere and being able to do day trips, but like have a hub. And so that's kind of, I'm trying to find somewhere we can do that. Maybe it's the countryside. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, if people want to follow your family vacations or regular vacations or just <laughs> lives in general, where can they find you on the internet? I guess we'll start with Priya. I'm at PK Gourmet on Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. Karina. I'm at Karina Quinn on Twitter and Instagram. At Spirelli. At Lale Hannah. And I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. You can catch new episodes of Women Who Travel every Tuesday. Um, review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And double check womenwhotravel.com because we always have new meetups and trips and all the sorts of things. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starred Zendaya at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people and a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.